welcome to School of Parenting on River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley, with myself, Rachel Tyrrell, and today my guest is Claire Cogan. Claire's been on our show before. Welcome back, Claire. Hello, lovely to be here. Oh, it's so great to have you back. So Claire is our expert on anything to do... I hope that went okay. <laughs> anything to do with teenagers she's our teen specialist um so I really look forward to Claire coming on because I need as much help as I can get so we're going to be talking today about exams mood sleep friendships and most importantly how as a parent you can find out more about all of these areas with Claire's uh, brilliant workshops workshops or courses are you calling workshops, them they, yeah, okay they're, workshops they're sort of got to work a bit <laughs> yeah got to think I think that's the only word okay, requires involved. a bit of thinking <laughs> so Claire I know you've obviously been on the show before but just tell us a bit about you uh, so I am the founder my business is called Creating Calm um and been in business for 17 years now but um my expertise as um Rachel kindly highlighted is teenagers <laughs> they are my focus um how families with teenagers can have difficult times during those years and how in a lot of cases understanding our teens makes a massive difference to how we manage it. I think the moody teen and the hormonal teen is quite they're quite quite negative terminology that can actually have quite an impact on how our teens cope with the teenage years. And so my my passion is helping parents understand how their mind and how their teenage brain development affects their mood but also helping teenagers feel understood feel heard feel validated and particularly coming out of the pandemic helping them to rediscover what they love what they enjoy and why they might be feeling quite low motivated and stressed absolutely and if if any of our listeners have got questions you can email rachel at river.radio with questions for claire Um, or you can send us a tweet or a message on instagram or facebook all at river radio live so i mean you mentioned there about some of those negative words that we use and it, it i mean mood is what comes to mind we talk about you know low mood but i i know we can it can it definitely is used isn't it in a negative way I mean you know I hear myself going oh god you're in a bad mood you're in a bit of a mood and and that kind of thing and and just trying to I suppose change the language I I suppose I think it is about changing the language if I mean the the analogy you know the, the the image that springs to mind is is Kevin you know that 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 dropped arms moody hanging Mm. head grunty Mm. teenager and whilst we laugh at that and it's humorous actually we have to look at the impact that's or the messages that that's giving our teenagers Mm. and actually yes they do behave like that I have a 16 year old in the house I mean you know sometimes (laughs) it's like wow you know what's going on there but we have to understand why and I think part of understanding why helps us then to look at our language and look at the way that we the way that we understand it and the way that we communicate back to them because if we give them that message that's often how they're going to behave and it, and and it, we're saying to them aren't we that it's um 
it's a bad thing or it's a negative thing yeah. or they're doing the wrong thing by yeah. feeling how they're feeling. Yeah, basically. and we know, uh, you know, from the research I've done, we all know that they can't help it. Yeah. It's the way their brains are developing and changing. There's some amazing things about the teenage brain and the teenage years and they're the, they're the parts that I want to pull out and I want to highlight. Um, when I wrote my book, that's what I was, I was intending to do. Teenagers are phenomenal. I love working with them and seeing their sparks, seeing their talents and oh, that's, gifts that's brilliant you've mentioned your book so let's let's book. talk about your book now my book <laughs> yeah the book I wrote in the pandemic <laughs> and, and I know you did come on just after so how long how long ago was that now that you I, launched I it? finally published it um September last year brilliant. um it it was blood sweat and tears but actually yeah. it was one of the best and proudest moments of of my business life actually because it was everything that's in my head yeah and I just wanted to have a resource out there for parents to just have and 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 know that they're not alone I think we can understand everything from a scientific point of view but actually I want them to know that I'm living this too um and I you know I've been a teenager like we all have so yeah it was a it, it's been an amazing moment and it's been a real roller coaster but a real fun one too and and I mean, obviously, there's there's other books out there. Uh, on uh, other books lots. are available. Yes, <laughs> lots of books are available, and believe me, they're all on my bookshelf. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the name of your book is "Reopening the Slam Door," which is a brilliant title. Brilliant, brilliant title, and um, and it's available on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah, mainly on Amazon because it's just an easy distributor. Other booksellers are available. Other books are well, on my website, but other booksellers. Okay. I mean, I'd love to get it on other sellers actually because I think you know it's good to have a range of choices yeah um, yeah you know uh, but at the moment um I've been asked about um going on to audible um I'm working on that because I don't actually know where to start if I'm really honest um so yeah oh that's exciting some people listen to things yeah, yeah. now you know yeah, think I do about, when I'm walking you know, yeah. podcasts and things yeah, so absolutely um, we will see how that pans out but yeah proud moment and and I, uh, my my one wish is that it helps yeah um, any well so that's so what I was going to say is there's there are hundreds of books out there what is brilliant about your book is it's it's I'm not going to say I'm trying to think of a word it's not it's sim it's understandable for a parent you, yeah. you don't actually have to find that you know you don't need to we're not experts on this mm. stuff you can be the expert but as a parent yeah. we're not the experts yeah. and I love how it's written it's got you know um there's real things in there that you can do yeah. and I know that when you do them they actually work and you get a positive response so I yeah. mean that's what I love about it it's not kind of it's not overly full of the jargon jargon and the language yeah. that could be a bit off-putting basically yeah I think I read I read the books with the jargon and the neuroscience books yeah we're gonna leave that them. to you and then, <laughs> and you then I wrote that was the intention into, yeah. yeah I mean I credit all all the amazing authors of some fabulous books that have really really helped me frame my understanding mm. but I really wanted a book that was written from a parent of teens to parents of teenagers yeah um, because that's you know conversations I have every day with parents you know who are really struggling and, and they just want to make life feel better for their teens and yeah. you know I get that absolutely and we've mentioned before about obviously we know the last couple of years has been really hard on teenagers especially because you know they missed out on so many things and then all the social aspect as well um, but it is the reality is that th there is a lot more pressure on them than 
I remember pressure being on me as a child. I know that's going back a few decades, but th- there is a lot more pressure on on kids today, isn't there? I mean, why is that? With the ex- I mean, I was thinking about this before before the show, and I thought, you know, I've had conversations with people in the past, and it, it, it amazes me now. It blows my mind when I when I have this conversation with people. I remember when I went to do O levels. I will mention I was the last cohort of O levels, so I'm not that old. <laughs> They were introducing GCSEs, but I did do O-levels. I'm not sure my mum, I mean, my dear mum, she was a you know single mum raising five kids and she was working. Um, I'm not sure she even knew the mm. day that I had those exams on. It mm. was, whereas now we are so, and it's great that we're so involved and we're so, but it's also, there's an element of we almost have to be, don't, not, not saying, you know, my dear mum didn't want to be, but it was almost that was left a lot to the school, wasn't it? it it's like that school, that's all left to the school. Whereas now, as parents, um, and rightly so, there's there's a really high expectation to obviously get involved and be involved, mm. and we are involved, and we've just done GCSE options and all that kind of thing. But there is definitely more pressure, isn't there? On there really, really is. Teenagers. And I think Why? it's a really good thing. Well, uh, firstly, to say that you look at your frame of reference. So what it was like when you were younger. Yes. And yeah. I've been doing this a lot too. I've got one that's just chosen his options and one that's actually doing GCSEs this year. Right. Um, and I'm really um, finding exactly as you describe, there's a lot of expectation placed on our young people, but also on us too. Mm. Now, there's a lot of research that shows that the more that we as parents get involved in their education, the better the outcomes. So you probably know that, you know, in your field as well. And I think, you know, so that's no bad thing. One of the things, the tipping point for this is how much we let what we want impact mm. on our young people okay. so I was having a chat with with my youngest in the car on the way to one of his competitions um the other week and get the best conversations out of him in the car and we were they're we trapped were, aren't yeah, they? they can't go anywhere but yeah. actually he was pretty chill he's looking forward to his comp <laughs> and he was like chatting away and he said mummy you know he's choosing his ops he said mum you know I, I, I want to do this one and he said you know and, and talking about different options I was like that's brilliant love it you know you do whatever you want he said some of my friends parents are telling them what they've got to do Mm. and I said well that's their choice you know Mm. that's what they decide that's their family that's not for us to comment on but actually my my I pose this question to all parents who are going through this what are your reasons for that Mm. is it because you feel there's a reason that that child needs to do a particular subject but most importantly are they going to enjoy it we've just come out of really difficult time fun is absolutely and always should be at the top of Mm. the agenda. Mm. These young people have lost a lot of their social and emotional developmental opportunities. If we then push them down a path that they're not necessarily comfortable with or haven't got that, feel that ability, those two years or three years, if they're doing them over three years, are going to be tough. Mm. So that is always the question that I pose. There's never criticism, but it's always about, is this about what the young person wants to do? And there is a guidance element, you know, Mm. if they want to do certain things and where like we're not sure about that that's Mm. one thing but if we're we're posing that on our children Mm. that's where the stress comes Mm. because if they don't enjoy something or they don't feel comfortable with it from day one that's not going to change magically just Mm. because we're saying they need to do it Mm. and so yeah so that's one one part of it I think that's important to consider and I think you're you're right there because um it possibly is 
parents, isn't it, putting that pressure on? Because, I mean, I can only go um, based on my children's school, but they've actually been very um, open in saying, encourage your child to choose something that they enjoy because we want you want them to do well in it. If they mm. enjoy it, they do well. You know, unless there is a very, very specific path that they need exactly. to go on or they need to do this particular GCSE so they can do this particular A-level, um, their approach has very much been, you know, um, leave as many doors open as you can, but importantly, have them do something that they're going to enjoy doing because that exactly. is going to almost guarantee I suppose to a degree that they're going to be successful or happy in it exactly and if we if we think about GCSEs it's very unlikely that they're going to need to start on a particular Mm. pathway because they still have to do all the sciences the maths the English anyway and I think you know what we need to teach our children at this age is you know how to get balance so if you're doing lots of academic subjects have a creative you know my oldest Mm. does drama he's not an artist but he loves his drama and a way of and food tech so ways of expressing himself and having a bit of the practical stuff to help the brain just just think about things and process things in a different way so it's just about taking that step back for us as parents it's not that we're causing the stress and and Mm. this is never about criticism it's just reflecting and saying is this what my children want is this what I want and why do I want my children to do that Mm. is you know because there is an element of sometimes we see the bigger picture our children don't but they've got to they've got to have a level of enjoyment in school yeah. um you know because it's it's not an easy place to be right now no no and definitely find that balance between as you say as a parent or an adult seeing the bigger picture that maybe your child can't mm. see as yet but balance it with with stuff that they enjoy so um so let's stick with exams. I mean, how else on exams can we help? Can we help our teenagers? Obviously with their choices and that, but yeah. in terms of whether they're in the year where they're doing their exams or, you know, how can we support our children? I think, you know, for me, I mean, I'm going through this personally at the moment and and I'm actually discovering myself, you know, it's actually really challenging for us parents. You know, it's the whole kind of, even if they're in younger years, like year 10 or whatever, it's the whole revision element. It's Mm. like, are they, are they working hard enough Mm. in inverted commas? And um, particularly with teenage boys as I've discovered that they have their own you know I, I literally had to sit on my hands I laughed a few weeks ago I had to sit on my hands because we did actually sit down with my son to help him because there's a learning process of of planning your time it doesn't mm. just come automatically and the school are obviously helping them but we sat down with him and said look how are we going to plan your time around your training your rowing and everything and I sat on my hands because all I wanted was to color highlight his entire <laughs> revision timetable and make it all oh, look pretty which is what I did yeah. but I, you know, I had to sit there and go, no, that's not what needs to happen. We just need this practical element so that we know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And what do you know what that did? It took away the nagging. Because if I know what he's doing and now I, he knows, it, it just seems to have, have, have sort of eased the, the water of, mm. have you done any revision? Mm. Stop nagging me, you know, and all of that communication stuff that can make things a bit rough. But from a less direct point of view what I've noticed is the more that I surround him with the stuff that he enjoys so you know taking to him for a few football matches doing the things that he wants to do the easier 
the other stuff it becomes so he for me it's more about me being kind of the creating the right environment for him so Mm. that he feels more motivated to do the stuff he's got to do so I mean is that you know we do that don't we with younger children as um you know might call it bribery but sort of like you know I suppose it's even the case with adults isn't it if we've worked particular uh, particularly hard we might look forward to something mightn't we and exactly having that, that break and having that downtime so yeah it's opportunities you know he loves his footy just as an example has yeah. been able to go to a football match for two years yeah. so actually just to be able to go and support the local team a couple of Saturday afternoons yeah. you know has been massive for him mm. and what it's two three hours it's mm. not gonna you know and mm. um, bigger picture here we also have to look at what they've been through these I mean I don't know about the other schools I know a lot of schools are doing a second lot of mocks um because of the uncertainty around oh, everything okay. he started them today and actually I I, I mean in awe of all of the teachers I think they've worked incredibly hard and they're still working within uncertain times but actually we're having to kind of be quite mindful about how to help him manage all of those competing demands Mm, mm. so if he gets a bit of fun at the weekend or something to look forward to that kind of just helps absolutely so absolutely okay well let's take a bit of a break um we're going to have a song but when we come back we're going to talk a bit more um um, well, about I want to talk to you a bit more about mood and how we can chat to our children about what it is and what's what's going on because it mm. is their hormones, yeah. isn't it? It's oh, their yeah. their hormones. We can't ignore the hormones. And, <laughs> no, and I have tried to start using that term actually and saying, but not in again, not in that again. It sometimes it can be a bit of a dur- all your hormones. Are you just hormonal. Hormonal. That is, that is the label. You're hormonal. Yeah. But to actually, you know, just just kind of acknowledge they are real things that yeah. are happening inside your body. And we're also to talk about sleep and friendships as well. So coming up, we have got, let's just have a break and listen to Matt Cardell when we collide. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. You say I love you, boy. I know you lie. I trust you all the same. Yeah. 
Welcome back to River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley. You're listening to School of Parenting with myself, Rachel Tyrrell, and my guest today is Claire Cogan, teen or and tween specialist and author of Creating Calm and another book I know you've written, um, and uh, and also a journal producer is that what you say creator i just call it a bur- another book <laughs> another book another book but you can write in it yeah you can write in that um one. so uh we've we've been we're talking exams mood sleep friendships all those really critical areas for teenagers and how as a parent we can um support our children and most importantly claire's going to be telling us about some of her uh workshops which are fantastic um but if you have missed anything, you can um, catch up. Go to river.radio, our website, to our Listen Again function, um, or listen on podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and you can also listen to us on your mobile apps or ask Alexa to play River Radio. So we were, we've we been chatting about exams. And actually, while the song was playing, we, were having, we continued our conversation about exams. And um, just to share that, you were saying, um, which I mean, I'm assuming maybe lots of parents know, but maybe some parents don't know, that you've said in your... Um, uh, your child's school they, they're doing another set of mocks because there's a revised content so yeah. tell us a bit more about that because well, that is interesting I think we're, we're still living under a level of uncertainty we've had no formal examinations since 2019 so you know understandably the schools are still navigating um, sort of different rules and regulations so the mocks have come about you know, from my perspective, to, to to help the kids. The schools are trying to do their best to kind of understand what, what the government's going to want. But yeah, on the 7th of Feb, um, they published revised content, taking into account that, um, you know, our young people have done GCSEs through the pandemic and, you know, the implications of school closures and limited access to curriculum. So that, you know, that's kind of given a level of uncertainty and when we're talking about managing exam pressure and stress our children are still living under that level of uncertainty because we don't quite know how these exams are going to go and mm. um, the formal examinations we just don't you know we, we there are a cohort who are all in the same boat so we're kind of like in this state of okay we've just got to create an environment where they they can you know they do their best and they feel good about doing their best yeah I mean is it a good thing that there's this revised content because at least then if there are bits that have been missed mind you how do they I suppose it would have been if they'd have published it in September last year. Oh, right. But leaving okay. it until the 7th of February. A little bit late. The schools have been amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I cannot fault um, my son's school. They've been fantastic. and they But they've had to work through it and then work out what is going to be, what they need right. to teach. So, for example, my son came home and went, we've just finished a biology topic, a massive topic, and we now know it's not going to be examined. Oh, no. So that can be really quite devastating. Yes. You know, when you've put a lot of work into something and then you're told, oh, actually, you don't need it now. So, and how frustrating for the teachers as so well. So frustrating for the teachers. Yeah. And this is the environment we're in at the moment. And so exam pressure is a very different exam pressure to 2019 in that we're kind yeah. of like living with, okay, this isn't about excellence or getting the best grade possible. This is actually about whatever you achieve, you've achieved in a really, really challenging mm. time. Mm. And it doesn't matter what that grade is at the end yes, of the day. Yeah. The fact that you've got through it is just phenomenal and it's the same as what I'd have said to the last year's 
cohort mm. even though they weren't examined formally mm. examined what they got put through during the process yeah you know that they were amazing yeah you know, all yeah. every single one of them and and I just you know we've got to recognize that the grade is not a reflection of how well our, our young people have have, have coped yeah. because actually they have dealt with so much more than yeah. I think we all realize yeah and keep in perspective as you said as well that that everybody is in the same boat mm-hmm. so not to panic I suppose that's more a message isn't it for parents not to panic too yeah. much yeah all the absolutely. children are in the same boat absolutely boat yeah yeah so we were talking when we were talking about moods we were saying about how we could you know it is it is hormones isn't it that we're talking about here but again yeah. we don't want to use that oh you're hormonal in um <laughs> sam's just come in to join <laughs> us and uh yeah um you're h- hormonal but in not a negative way yeah yeah, we. I mean, it I might mean, be negative sometimes. We're hormonal. <laughs> I haven't got put his mic you on. Know. He can't answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he's going. He doesn't want to comment on hormones either. Hello. Could be a bit dangerous, couldn't it? <laughs> so, but what we have to recognise when we talk about hormones is that we're hormonal too. Okay, so yeah, one hundred percent agree with you there. <laughs> so we we kind of like go, oh, hormonal teenager. But hold my hand up, I'm a hormonal mother. So mm. you know, um, I had a, a, a fantastic um, lady write a blog uh, for me about the perimenopause and how you know we our our changes coincide with our teens changes very yes, often yeah and we have to acknowledge that you yeah. know yeah hormones do play a huge part in the changes and and the changes that they go through but again a bit like moody teenager it's had the connotations we place around that so mm. it's about how do we explain that to our teens mm. you know rather than the term hormonal teenager like moody teenager it's how do we help them understand that how that has an impact on them but most yeah. importantly also what they can do to help themselves yeah so when it comes down to things like you know even good nutrition things like you know things that can help them manage and 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 sort of manage those tricky times unfortunately in a lot of cases they're not going to go away and so we need to kind of look at again the environment as well as what we we provide them with to help them as much as we can and I guess just um, chatting and and so they know that they're not they're not the only one who it's very normal it's part of how their brain is developing as a teenager and it's happening to every other teenager it's not just you know just them exactly I mean I was really lucky with my oldest is that he devoured books when he was younger so I bought him all the this is what's going to happen kind of all that stuff um and I you know I think he had quite a lot of good knowledge whereas my youngest won't touch that with a flipping barge oh no we've got those books on the shelf as well they look brand new I'm not even sure they've been opened no exactly (laughs) that so I've got one who's read them the other one who will not touch them with a barge pole so it's about (laughs) your teen how they consume information Mm. how information is shared with them and how how involved you have to be Mm. so for some actually they just want to do it themselves for others and figure it out themselves for others they might it might be beneficial if you you know it's all about kind of the subtlety and the how how you drip feed it in whether it's mm. watching something on tv that sparks a conversation can that can that's often with my youngest it's like we end up having a discussion about something completely random because he's mm. watched something we've watched something together um or whether it's that you provide them you know, with the with the information because they don't want to have those embarrassing conversations with parents yeah it's the yeah the mortification i've bought you a few books and i've left them in your bedroom and you think oh maybe they're going to look at them when i'm not there pick them up 
this book hasn't been opened. <laughs> There's not even a yeah. crease on that spine. <laughs> Reality check there. <laughs> um, okay, so so just chatting and communicating so they know that they're not um, in, you know, they're not alone. But you've mentioned about nutrition. That's obviously a, a huge thing. We have Joe Keyes is a regular on here talking about nutrition as well for teenagers. So nutrition is a big thing. But also the, the other thing that we want to talk about and also ties in is the whole sleep and obviously the difficulty that happens with teenagers is it's it's at the stage where I know certainly for my they want to have control over what they're eating um I mean the amount of times in our house we're like we're not buying all these snacks again they're only and then you go and then you buy that because the arguments go and it's just backwards and forwards constantly Mm. um so you know, I know it's, we need to find a balance, but then um, that what comes into that is the whole sleep as well, because they want to eat at different times, don't they? And then their, their whole, I mean, we know from when we've spoken about this before, the whole structure of the school day doesn't fit in with a teenager's sleep pattern. No, it doesn't. And it's, um, I, I, I did a really fantastic, um, listened to a great webinar a few weeks ago called The Enigma of Adolescent Sleep. I thought that was just a brilliant title. And it was a neuroscientist and a psychologist who were talking about this. And, you know, we know that, you know, they're, hormone melatonin gets released later which means they are more tired later in the evening which has a a massive impact on their ability to wake up and function in the morning Mm. Um, and if they're not going to sleep and they haven't got a good a good sleep cycle and obviously that's been pulled out of whack with the pandemic with you know schooling Mm. from home Mm. they could sleep later which roll out of bed five minutes before the zoom and just pitch up on the on teams (laughs) and get on with it but actually going back into that routine and the prolonged period period of back into the routine that you know schools have thankfully been open you know since Mm. September um and you know kind of has has been has been a real challenge for some and you know I'm working with some teens who've actually gone nocturnal and it's been literally they're up all night and and trying to sleep all day and obviously that's a massive impact on them their social life their education so Mm. many things um and their mood as well because actually if they're not up in the day they're not getting the daylight they're not getting it's not triggering the melatonin which is then not letting them sleep get Mm. you know helping them feel sleepy Mm. so a lot of this is is to do with kind of um small changes so one of the big takeaways from from the training I did a few weeks ago was you can't you can't change things in a big way so even if it's just about helping them adjust their sleep by 15 minutes Mm. for for a four-day period that's all you that's all you should do because the brain is it's almost fighting no you know if you've got into a bad sleep cycle and teens are going to bed too late and we've got to go back to and I know this is really tough for a lot of families devices in bedrooms yeah um you know gaming laptops phones for some young people we know it's their lifeline communication with their friends but actually the impact on their mood can be so significant if they're up majority of the night that actually it's kind of like a trade-off between the two that actually they're much more likely to cope with challenges social challenges if they've had a decent night's sleep and optimized Mm. their 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 rapid eye movement period of their sleep which is vital for their health and well-being Mm. and if they don't have that then we're on a hide into nothing really Mm. with that and and 
you know parents I know parents really struggle you know they've got into habits of letting them have all these things and to take them away is worse you know a lot lot worse well and even as parents I think we in in the period that we had I mean I know that our whole routine changed as well we were going to bed later than sleeping in a bit longer in the morning and you know so your whole household exactly um is adjusting but Mm. I guess as adults we can kind of maybe see it a little bit clearer the benefits of it you're saying about the earlier four days so Mm. are you, you suggesting that we say we kind of compromise then and say right on your school night yeah so it's trying to get get into a different earlier and give him a bit of flexibility on the weekends or something like that yeah yeah so what what I was saying with the four night period is if we're trying to sort of um, get them into a better habit we should only change their timing of their sleep say they're going to sleep at like 11 o'clock at night Mm. we we would should only move it to maybe maybe quarter to 11 at night yeah. for that four day period to allow the body to adjust if we say to them no you've got to go to bed at 10 o'clock it's if they've been realistic. going to bed at 11 or sleep yeah. at 11 that's not realistic okay. and it's not manageable so it's those small those small shifts and those small changes that feel manageable and also what their motivation is if for getting good night's sleep you know kind of there's things that like sleep diaries record you can record things some teens really like that they like to see you know it's a bit of a challenge you know hours of sleep and and the importance of it is it's getting them involved rather than just telling them what to do some track it don't they on their um I mean my son doesn't like to wear a watch but some do I know his friends track their sleep on their yeah their yeah. phone my son does my youngest one he's just got a new running watch and oh it has all the bells and whistles on it but it's great because he's he's actually is conscious of his sleep and, yeah. and his REM and, and all of that stuff, which is actually, that's a good thing. That's yeah. where technology is actually a really positive thing. Absolutely. And the whole thing, I mean, with devices, I mean, I, you know, I sometimes, I so often think, oh, we should have, if we just had rules in place from the start, like don't have your phone in your bedroom. I know some people are really good at, you know, doing that. And of course we never did it from the start, so we can't do it now. But, um, you know, we have gone through those times where things get switched off they do get switched off of course that then causes a massive big row why can't you trust me to get off my you know all that kind of thing it is um you know it's it's a nightmare isn't it it is a nightmare and there's i have to be honest there's no magic solution or easy answer oh claire i'm really sorry (laughs) i uh because i'm living it as well it's like you know and uh, you know it's uh, bless my boys you know i've i've found laptops in the bed at you know one o'clock in the morning and all sorts of stuff i'm not immune to it yeah because these devices are designed to be addictive we're all addicted to them it's giving them little hits of dopamine that positive brain chemical that we crave Mm. so actually we part of this is about educating our teens again around what it is about our phones that mean that we can't put them down what Mm. it is and reframing that for them and educating them and you know reaching some kind of compromise Mm. and very often what it comes down to is not the do as I say not as I do it's I'm gonna do it too yeah and that can be hard for parents and Sam He's Hello. waving. Oh, he's, he's waving. <laughs> Do you know what? I thought he's not gonna. He's he's, he's not, not gonna, gonna be able to sit there and just work. <laughs> I was trying. How long is he gonna last? I was trying. He waves his so, hand. So obviously, I've got teenage children as well, and have similar problems to you. And um, you know, taking the phone off them, as you say, Claire, is just an absolute nightmare. So. And turning the Wi-Fi off doesn't work, by the way, because they can turn it back on. well, it's not I, just they can I turn it back I on. I think cows maybe haven't realised that yet. Well, no, they just they, use their four G. 
But I, d- I don't think that... Does it depend what they're doing on their phone, though? I don't know. No, so, I mean, look, if you if you turn the Wi-Fi off, they'll just use their 4G data, data, data and they'll run out of data and then you have to pay for data or not pay for data, right? And that's the other <laughs> oh, problem. Oh, okay. So that doesn't work. But there are ways that you can go on your router and you can actually block apps at a certain time of day or night. And right. so if you, I mean, we all know the apps they're on, right? Yeah. It's TikTok, it's Snapchat. So you could actually block the apps. You will create World War 7 Will they your know house. then that you've done it? Oh, of course, yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, they'll be uh, accessing right. it till about midnight and then suddenly uh, right. at midnight <laughs> one, it'll suddenly be blocked and then you'll suddenly hear the <laughs> a monster from the cave coming out going, Mother, where is my woman? Snapchat. And it's, and it's like, I was in the middle of a conversation Conversation. Yeah. Well, you're always in the middle of the conversation because the think, conversation never ends. I think that's why we need to be a bit mindful because I have worked with some young people who are in a really difficult place um, with their mental health and with the being allowed the devices and then taken away again, it's like um, they've been taken out of the, the loop with their friends mm. because all their friends but, are chatting. But that's because all their other friends aren't taken out of the loop at the same time. Exactly that. Yeah. But the impact, I've mm. seen the impact of that from that perspective in in quite a devastating way so that is where we have to be really really careful but we but we have it as adults as you said Rachel look when was the last thing you watched on Netflix and you binged the whole series exactly right yeah we sit there and we we'll go money heist I'm currently yeah, watching no, and, and, and me and Jill and, and I'm sure you've done it we're going oh god one more. one more just one more go on one more exactly. and it's like then one o'clock in the morning you're like really oh should we should no no we wouldn't you know. do you yeah. blame each other then that's what happens in our house we no we don't blame each other. each other we just look at each other going what I go well it's your fault you said you no you said yeah. you wanted to watch my mother and then and then when you wake up in the morning really tired yeah so <laughs> nobody's fault but your own <laughs> so, so in the old days we, we had these natural breaks yeah. books have chapters in it because you reach a point mm. yeah soaps were weekly or daily but they weren't continuously and and they don't it, have deferred gratification anymore they, no. they, you know and that's not their fault that's the way we've yeah. designed our society but books are really interesting because it's more of a passive activity so it's something we can just do that allows us to to switch down but it's so hard for them to read books because it, it's not interactive i mean you know, again, I think teaching is so wrong. It's 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 Victorian teaching. It's one way still. You know, Ella, my daughter, in lockdown through COVID, enjoyed self teaching much much more mm. than she did school class teaching, and she got better results mm. from it because what she'd do, she'd go right, it's a subject, it's King Lear, right? I'm going to go and watch the film, or I'm going to go into YouTube, or I'm going to go somewhere else, and she got information from the internet, mm. and she sat there and she went, right, that's all I need to do, and then she was able to regurgitate because that's all it is mm. back the information to a teacher, and I think that's the problem. We, we we the teacher in the old days was the font of knowledge, mm. but that font of knowledge is gone. They haven't moved beyond the fact that they're not the font of knowledge, so they they should become the guide to knowledge. Mm. So it's like, right, guys. Go and have a look at these different sources. Come back to me. I'm mm. here to help rather than let me turn to page seven mm. more. And that's great if she had the se- I mean, obviously not all have the self-motivation, I but if she had the struggle. self-motivation to do that, that's great. And then wouldn't that be good if then that could be continued? But isn't that the one those, skill employers want? Yeah. For that's those the one skill employers that, want, right? That, yeah. I don't want to get a, uh, a student in here and then go, right, click that button, then do yeah. this, then do that. Then like then, you have to do with right. me. No, no, you're a, you're a superstar, Rachel. But no, the the, yeah. the thing about it is, you, you don't, and and again, no. I think 
when they moved the exams, sorry, I'm going off topics like, but when they moved the exams to end of year again, you know, the hero symbol, right? Do nothing, get to the end of the year, pass an exam, well done. Mm. That's the hero symbol. Mm. But we don't work like that. No. You know, it's not like I go six months of doing nothing and then I turn up on the last day, do one thing and then I qualify. Mm. Mm. And and I think we should go back to that continuous assessment. We should go back to kids having to self-learn. Google is there for a reason, right? It's the font of all knowledge. Mm. So actually teachers should say right it's contextual knowledge you want right mm. now you have the information let's get the context from that information not so regurgitating information just seems mm. such a waste of time when it's always always going to be there it was great actually we spoke earlier about just the GCSE options and it and it and my son has actually chosen two that are exactly that their coursework and actually mm. it was really great to see that that is available yeah my son's doing drama and food tech and it was lovely that he's got that practical element there is that to balance. balance 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 that out rather I mean, than I, that whole I was, end of i was year the coursework exam. generation i did my gcse's where it was still very coursework heavy oh know? okay and i you know i did really well on that because i wasn't very good at regurgitating mm. a lot of information mm. at the end of a subject so mm. um yeah i mean i agree and i think i i my caveat is always that there will be some young people who are very self-motivated, but there will also be young people who, for, for lots of different reasons, really struggle with that. And it's it's how you find that balance. I think we've got very one-directional learning that doesn't incorporate all the different needs. You know, we've and got... And the different... As Sam was saying, his daughter... And there's this... That's a particular learning type, but there are so many learning types. Exactly. And I think what school doesn't harness is those different learning types and styles and honoring that so if you have got self-motivation that's great but if you're a tonal learner or if you're an audio or if you're Mm. kind of kinesthetic you know different ways of learning are really really key to understand for young people to help them feel confident rather than just going oh I'm rubbish because Mm. I don't I don't take the information and get good marks based on the style of of education that Sam's talking Mm. about and I think you know that that's massive for self-confidence and self-esteem and they're the young people I see the most Mm. because they're the ones that they really struggle. So one of the things where we're talking about um, devices and talking about how that is the connection isn't it for for a lot of children especially when they weren't at school but with their with their friends so let's just chat about the the whole friendships things Mm -hmm. um, with now I'm going to bring up that word hippocampus you love that word don't you (laughs) just so we can mention it while we're talking about friendships because I remember learning that word and thinking it was actually amazing because also it's so um applicable and relevant do you know what the hippocampus is Sam Uh, it's part of your brain okay all right (laughs) good good well I had no idea um yeah a camp something that had hippos <laughs> so it's not your frontal lobe it's not your cortex it's your main storage of your brain and i love that as it's um relevant to us as adults Woo! well done okay gold star 10 out of 10 um yeah so t- yeah talk us through that so just to contextualize it in relation to friendships mm. actually i i talk about well we call it the hippo when i work with young people because that kind of helps them yeah. understand, sort of remember it a bit more but hippocampus is your library your story where you store all your memories all your experiences that have ever happened to you in your life so it's it's unconscious in the sense that you know we don't obviously remember all of that stuff all the time it's not in your in the frontal part of your brain um it's it's that storage mechanism but why this is relevant is um when it comes to friendship challenges so 
I work with a lot of young people um, and particularly girls, particularly coming out of a pandemic Mm. where their social opportunities have been really limited. So what's happened is, you know, their sort of opportunity to develop those social skills and, you know, the the fallings out and the fallings back in with friends Mm. and the things that naturally happen and happened since, you know, we were we were children as well have become and and also taking into account you know sort of social media and phones as well have become so much more acute so Mm. when things are happening what seem to be going on at the moment when things are happening they seem so much more extreme um and more difficult for them to deal with and just to put that into context with the the hippocampus is that if a young person has a really difficult friendship experience or challenge say a period of bullying or a really difficult time that um you know and that that lodges in their brain So that's an experience that's happened. And because it's been really difficult, they might have got really upset about it. It it has a lot of emotion attached to it. And what often happens with young people is they then approach friendships based on that experience. They might have lost trust in a friend who Mm -hmm. was told a secret to somebody else that didn't mm. you they told them not to tell anybody they might have had them say some quite nasty things to them that have really frightened them or upset them and then it's it basically the brain will look at friendships and 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 kind of they'll react to friendships based on that previous experience and that's the hippocampus kicking in it's kind of like they're framing all their experiences of friendships based on that that Mm. that one bad experience and that has a massive impact on their confidence it might be that they won't want to kind of go into social situations where they don't know anybody they might even feel like they can't approach their friends their friends have to approach them they might not want to go and invite them round or do things with them again the pandemic's had a massive impact on that because we haven't been have been mm. able to do that so a lot of them are overthinking mm. you know do my friends really want to spend time with me or want to come to shopping or come mm. around my house or do whatever um and it's all of that is really become a lot more acute and a lot more complex post-pandemic um and I'm seeing young people who you know would have normally kind of you know in a way sailed through some of these challenges because they've had all the external support around them but because they've all been at home and been Mm. on their phones and been on their devices which they may well have been anyway but it it, they haven't had the kind of well they haven't yeah so if something has happened in the evening or something they would have been able to go into school the next day and then sort it out or not have it build up I suppose is such a big thing in in their head whereas when it's when it is going over the phone or snapchat or whatever Mm. um and also that whole thing I mean we know don't we that you can sometimes you might put however many times you're told not to you might put something perhaps in a message that they wouldn't have said to each other if they were seeing each other or exactly. perhaps knew they were seeing each other the next day. So, yeah. And we have all this dangerous. new language that I learn, you know, um, left on red. You know, people that will not read whatsapp messages, they'll, they'll kind of, they'll read them but they won't reply. And whatsapp is a really, that mechanism is awful because if, you know, you've got a young person who knows someone's read your message and they haven't replied, they'll ruminate over that. They'll go over and over it. They'll get more and more stressed about it. And it might just be that person forgot to reply, but it sort of adds so much dimension to to friendship challenges and navigating those. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, I learn all sorts working with teenagers. Oh, so you know the blue people out there that think that about me. (laughs) You know the blue ticks. Yes, that go blue when you've read the message. Yeah, yeah. It's called left on red. If you read it and the blue ticks, but you don't reply, so you see someone's read it because 
they've obviously so opened see, the message. Yes, yeah, you can see they've read it. And then they don't not, reply, so okay. you're left on read. I use that terminology with my children the other day and they hate it when I start using things that they think I don't know. <laughs> I might try that one. <laughs> You've left me on read. I say that to my boys all the time because they never reply to my messages. You left me on read. Yeah, I'm going to use because I, I, I have actually said that to my... You didn't answer... Well, I just said you didn't answer because I didn't know there was a term. You didn't answer my message. Well, yeah, but well, you didn't answer. So you've asked me a question. You get me just get backwards and forth. So I'm going to use left unread. But yeah, I mean, I remember when I used deets. Yeah. And oh, the, the it don't was like daggers coming out of the... Yeah, don't you ever use that word My, my fun phrase is, it's all about the bants. It's all about the bants. They absolutely, it crucifies them. All They're about on, the bants. All, all about the banter, the bants. Oh, the bants, the banter, the bants. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm oh, not allowed okay. to say that. There's plenty of things I'm not allowed to say. I can't remember <laughs> all off the top of my head, but it's pretty hilarious. I think you need to come out with some kind of guide. Well, yeah, I, I think I need to write a blog. So when we so when we want to embarrass our children, which is, you know, we say I to our to children, that's our kids. job to embarrass <laughs> you. We could pull out the little guide or we want to threaten them with something, right? I did actually, I read a blog, it was an American blogger and she literally did all the terminology because some of the text messages I get from my children, I say to my husband, what's that mean? Because they use little abbreviations. Yes, yes, yeah. So I didn't know what IDO meant the other day. It's I don't know. Oh, right. Okay. I did know that one. Yeah, I now I do now. It took me a couple of years to know that LOL was not lots of love. Yeah, I did that too. <laughs> lots of love. So it's a whole different language. It is, it is. So on that hippocampus, that, I mean, one of the, the words that children do use a lot more is the whole triggered thing, isn't it? So triggered, you're triggered, this triggered. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, in a way that's good because they're almost understanding um you know that what that term actually means um but that is definitely overused isn't it I mean there must there's got to be a balance hasn't there between yeah and I think this is where you know we we kind of the curse of modern technology gives us that kind of them so they can google anything Mm. um and I often work with young people who have they've decided what's wrong with them um and they've decided what their issues are and they use terminology sometimes correctly sometimes incorrectly so it's it again it's you know the reason I always go back to right we're going to explain to you how your brain works is because I have a a neuroscientific foundation mm. that an explanation that okay this is where we start from and then we'll see how what you think's going on fits in mm. because otherwise we're just kind of going around they just they've decided and unless I give them a almost a counter argument they right. you know um, and that, that triggered yeah very much it's very much around hippocampus so where we triggered is when our memories are come to the fore so something happens that reminds us of something that's happened in the past yeah um and yeah but it's so so with a counter argument then that you've mentioned now you're an expert so if a child comes to see you you they can they will hear that from you how do we manage that though as a parent that counter argument because they, 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 you know there is that there must have to be that balance isn't it where we kind there's a, there is going to be a certain amount of anxiety in life mm. there's going to be a certain amount of stress in life and it's sort of putting things in perspective without minimizing exactly so one of the key things that that um well there's two things two elements to it one is that um help get them to explain what they mean 
Okay. Because sometimes just reacting to a word is really difficult. Just say, mm. explain that to me. What, what do you mean by triggered? Well, tell me what that's about. What's going mm. on for you? Um, if they'll tell you. And then the other thing is around kind of helping them to understand that anxiety is not something that we should be scared of Mm. so one of the one of my my pet peeves is around people saying you can fix anxiety and one of the things I often say to young people is anxiety is part of who we are Mm. but like with anything there needs to be a balance like you say between how anxiety helps us cope with new situations you know I get a lot of young people going to university and they say I've got anxiety about it I'm like well that's normal and natural Mm. to be anxious about going to uni it's a completely new environment Mm. new people there's so many dimensions to it Mm. but also it's about you know exams nerves help us focus Mm. helps helps us kind of block out everything else helps us cope with that you know unknown in front of us so it's there's a bit of normalization going on there so Mm. you know rather than challenging the word which can sometimes end up with an argument it's just kind of going going around it in a in a different way when they're ready when they're open yeah picking the right time (laughs) not a bedtime um although they'll often want to talk at bedtime yeah, I remember we, actually you mentioned this before because yeah. it, is that the element of um, you're asking me to go to bed, so let's not go to bed yet. We, we kind of have a bit of a longer chat, or is it that 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 is because they've processed everything? Genuinely, on balance, I would say when children are younger, yes, that can often be a delay tactic. Yeah. When they're older, I would say that's when their brains come online. So okay. I was talking about the course, the webinar I did the other week. It was really quite fascinating, and they said they they um, some research went into some primitive tribes were absolutely as primitive as they could get in in the modern world that have been as 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 untouched as they could and they were observing what adolescents do and actually late late into the evening nighttime is when they learn all their new skills they almost come alive it's oh, kind right. of when when their brains are actually okay. without social conditioning without society conditioning that's actually when they they are on their you know on online so to speak but that has to be balanced though with the whole sleep on it because i remember i learned yes. that from you last time the rem the rem sleep yeah <laughs> so the sleeping yeah. on it because we've had that conversation with my other child in the house this week so it's the whole let's sleep on it and see how you feel and you yeah. know dare i mention because this week how many children have got to a Okay, it's a lovely thing to do, but the whole pressure of going to school dressed up for World Book Day. <laughs> I am so grateful. I'm just I'm like, let's zone. just sleep on it. Let's yeah. just sleep on it and talk about it in the morning. Sort in the Because mo- I'm thinking, yeah. Claire has said things will seem better in the morning. And, and if it's so a tangible that- thing, you know, A, <clears throat> don't you start the conversations late at night. No. B, if it's a tangible thing like World Book Day, absolutely leave it for the morning. If it's a motive and it's something that maybe wouldn't come out in the morning, Mm. i.e. it's something that's really troubling Mm. them Mm. then that's the time to sit and just be and just listen okay okay all right so everything is that whole balance so tell us tell us Claire before we run out of time how can tell us about your workshops that you're doing specifically on these topics and how parents can can do more and find out more support their child so I have four workshops running one at the end of March which is all about exam stress what we're managing that as a parent so it's it's the um navigating the teenage years series basically so we're going to be focusing on exams and then April I've got one I think we're doing oh sleep 
Then May, we're, we're on mood. And then um, June, we are covering the other one. Friendships? Friendships. Okay. Yeah. And how um, do people find out about those? So every, all those? the information will be on my website, which is clairecogan.com, Claire without an I. Okay. <laughs> um, and all the information is there or on my Facebook page, which is Claire Cogan Creating Calm. Brilliant. Okay. All right. That's great. So, um, yeah, I'd highly, I've, I've done some of um, Claire's courses and they are really helpful. We haven't spoken about the, the journal, but again, people can have a look on your website and find out about the, about the journal, which is um, a brilliant tool as well for um, tweens and as well as teens. Yeah, we're talking about tweens as well. Very much. It's about the preparation. Preparation is key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be prepared. Um, and uh, yeah, and get the book because it really helps. Um, So uh, coming up later on River Radio, we've got um, Mike and Bruce, Bruce the dog. I think I've got that the right way around. No, I know I have. Um, Tea time is uh, five till seven. And then after that, Tara Dean at seven o'clock with Inside the Music Scene. And next week on River Radio School of Parenting, we have Dan Verghese, I think I've said that properly, um, from Kazoku Jiu-Jitsu. I'm pretty certain I haven't said that correctly. <laughs> um, martial arts. And um, so we're going to be chatting and finding about how the benefits of that for children and their confidence and physically. So that's going to be um, a great show too. So listen to that next week. So um, if you want to listen back again to anything that you've missed on the show, you can listen on podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. You can go to our website, river.radio. And um, thank you so much, Claire. Look look forward to next time. I always learn so much. Um, I will be listening back just so so I can um, take that all in. Um, Yeah, we will see you next week. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. Hey, what's happening, brother? What's up? Hey, how you doing, man? Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not.